Hey guys, one quick thing before we hop into uh, the Wonder Woman episode. I just want to let you know that the intro music you're about to hear was put together uh, by none other than Mary Lou of Made by Mary Lou. So thank you so much, Mary Lou. Uh, I really love it and I know you guys who are listening and watching are going to love it too. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Wonder Woman segment. I am your host, Katie Freeman. I am a furniture maker and content creator running freemanfurnishings.com. And you can find me on all the social platforms under that same handle, just at Freeman Furnishings. I also host the weekly podcast, the Maker Mom Podcast, of which the Wonder Woman is a new segment under. So there are two episodes a week. Wednesdays are the Wonder Woman segment and Fridays are the Maker Mom segment. And during this segment, during Wonder Woman, I interview stellar female makers um, from around the world, really. You will find out as time goes on. Um, and I bring those interviews straight to you so you can learn all about those fabulous women and uh, what they make, why they make, how they got started, all the good juicy tidbits. All right, this week's guest is a friend of mine. Her name is Mary Lou. She goes by Made by Mary Lou on Instagram and YouTube currently. And I had the distinct um, awesomeness, I guess, just... <laughs> The uh, uh, distinct honor to meet her in person at WorkbenchCon this February of 2020 uh, before the world decided to implode upon itself. Um, and so I had a chance to meet her in person and chat about things uh, that we have in common, such as our love for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, but I was ecstatic when I decided to bring on this new part of the podcast to get a chance to interview her more about um, why she makes and the things that she does. So we're gonna hop right in to that interview with Mary Lou of Made by Mary Lou. Oh, before I forget, almost forgot the shout out. Sorry guys. So big shout out to my patrons over on Patreon. Thank you so much, Laura of the Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, made by Mary Lou, Amy, Bison Valley Carving, uh, Dan and Kelly Reclaim Living Store, Brandy Studio Obey, Kathy One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very, very much for your ongoing support of the podcast. So, <laughs> Mary Lou, I'm going to let you give an introduction about yourself, put you on the spot right from the get-go, and uh, let you share whatever you want to share about yourself. Sure. Um, shoot, I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So, um, I guess it's always hard to talk about myself a little bit because I never know how to, how to put it to words, but you know, growing up, I was always encouraged, um, in the world of arts. Uh, my dad's a musician and really good at that. So I had that to look up to. Um, my mom was just super supportive in anything that I ever wanted to do. Um, I was really into reading and storytelling and, and just kind of like the world of fiction was so fascinating to me. And my mom, like, really pushed that onto me too. Like she saw that I had an interest in like, and would just buy me books all the time. Like our thing was to go buy a book. Um, 
and that was that was actually really nice so um throughout school it was kind of just like art like art surrounding me all the time music painting drawing reading writing all of that stuff it was it was kind of amazing and and i would say that that has led me to where I am now and kind of like I stumbled upon the making world and when I found it it just like it felt right it clicked all of the things that I had learned my entire life seemed to like lead up to this point sorry I have kittens trailing a ribbon across the desk (laughs) (laughs) oops yeah yeah um that's awesome. All right. So you stumbled across the making mm-hmm. community world. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? You grew up with art. When did you turn that into, you know, I guess making art? Um, so I, I mean, I've been making art since I was a child. Uh, not just a consumer of it, but like I have always dabbled in different mediums. Um, and so what I mean by stumbled upon the making community, I mean like the the like content creation, YouTube, Instagram world. Uh, so I went to film school for college and then, you know, in between having graduated and like, let's say like four years ago now, I really wasn't doing any of that. I wasn't filmmaking at all. I did a whole bunch of other things like music and then kind of just went also into like a corporate world, which, yeah, <laughs> not my favorite, but got to do what you got to do type of thing to survive. And then um, I'm kind of like obsessed with um how it's made so i was watching it on youtube and they promoted like a laura comp video to me and so i watched that and i was like oh my god <laughs> like this is awesome because it was it was cinematically like beautiful and then she's just making something though i don't remember what the first video was but she was just making something and there was no talking it was just music but like this i was just watching this story unfold and i was instantly like inspired i i looked at that and i was just like oh my gosh i can do that you know and that's kind of what brought me back into uh, filmmaking again, I guess, you know, um, cause that's probably where I find the most joy. Like I mm-hmm. definitely enjoy making whatever it is that I'm making, but like, I feel like I'm always learning. So it's, it's like, I don't want to say like a struggle, but like every step is a learning moment for me. So yeah. It, yeah. it makes it interesting, but like the filmmaking aspect of it is like where I, I get to have a lot of fun and Mm -hmm. experiment with different things and yeah and like go into my rolodex of like skill sets and knowledge that i haven't had to in a while and kind of flex muscles that have been stagnant Mm -hmm. well and i mean i believe if i you can correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure uh laura camp she has like a video background as well right yeah, am yeah. i correct she, i think yeah, so. she like worked for i forgot whom and did like their videography yeah, yeah yeah and and i think that really you know comes through um for sure there's obviously people you can tell like there's people who totally teach themselves and do an awesome job with that um yeah. but then you know you can watch their learning curve i guess especially mm-hmm. if they've been putting out YouTube videos or whatever for a while, but you can definitely appreciate and tell the difference when somebody like comes on the scene right away with that like knowledge or that talent there for putting together film. Um, yeah. Because I definitely think that adds to the experience of watching, you know, somebody's maker video is, is there of how well they put it together, I guess. 
Um, okay, so what was the first what was the first project you did and filmed? Oh, the first project I filmmed. I'm trying to remember. Um, I think I was doing it mostly on Instagram. So there were like one minute videos. Um, Might have been a set of coasters. Could have been a couple of knives. I, I did a few quick things and I just shot those on like a GoPro and my cell phone at the time. Um, I, yeah, unfortunately, I just can't remember. <laughs> no, that's... That's that's good. Yeah, small projects like that. Um, It was it was interesting because I didn't know quite yet how I was gonna tell a story of of what I was making, let alone in like one minute. So it was it was a fun experiment, I would say. And I think I did that over the course of a year, and I just made a bunch of like one minute videos um purely for Instagram but I hadn't yet found my voice um or at least my filmmaking voice uh in the maker world Mm -hmm. you know I think there's something to be said for that though like I started and you and I have had these conversations like offline I definitely I'll just say I suck when it comes to doing film but (laughs) What I have learned is I've at least gotten better. I've actually feel like I've gotten better since I started filming things for TikTok and then using, you know, basically the footage that I'm filming for TikTok, which actually has an even smaller window, the best like time window to get somebody's attention and to like stay with you is eight seconds. And so the mindset of like, how am I going to tell a story of what I'm doing in eight seconds and setting up, you know, different shots to help tell that story, I feel like has helped me in making longer things for Instagram, you know, up to a minute, and then even transitioning that into YouTube footage and realizing then the benefit of when you get to YouTube that, oh, I can throw a talking head in here and somebody will pay attention to it. But like, knowing when to throw the talking head in at the right moment and not just being like background noise type thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I think what I like about what you do is you're like capturing this moment in time, like in your project and it's engaging. Like you, you are engaging people to you. Mm -hmm. And I think like you just said, TikTok because of that short time window is making you think of a little bit more about how to engage people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually something I struggle with because I I come from the mindset of like, let me just show you what I'm doing type of right, a thing right. rather than bringing you into the fold with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I need to work on a little bit more. But yeah, I think like it's it's awesome having like a friend like you to where we can kind of have this dialogue and, and um, figure out how to like, help each other. Right, right, exactly. Um, I like what you said there, though, about, like, let me show you what I'm doing, because I feel like that's definitely where I started. Like, when I started the business, you know, three years ago, and I was, I very rarely put out video content at that point, and if I did, it was only on YouTube, and that's definitely where it was a lot of, like, you know, okay, I'm going to film the entire process and then I'm just going to like super speed it up. So it's not like a six hour video, but it's like, you know, fits into that 15 minute window. And then you can just see how I make it like from start to finish and realizing like, that's not necessarily really engaging people. Like you can do that and you can do it well where it's more like that mesmerizing or that, you know, like really focusing in, but that's not like, I never got questions on those videos. I never got like any kind of feedback whatsoever. Whereas like my short clips where I'm focused more on like a certain aspect of making this one thing, 
I get questions, you know, what's that tool or like, how did, how do you know how to do that or whatever, you know, there's always questions to it, which I think means that people are paying more attention to it then versus the, the full project view of it. Yeah. 100%. I, that's why I actually decided that I would start talking in my videos more not necessarily to teach anybody because that's not <laughs> no I get it yeah, yeah I get that yeah that's not something that I feel comfortable doing um mm -hmm. but and and I say that because I, I like I said I'm always learning and I'm very novice at like woodworking and mm -hmm. all of the stuff that I'm doing <laughs> basically so yeah it's not really from a teaching standpoint but I realize that like people want to be engaged with me or like get an insight to my thought process mm -hmm. and why I did something um stuff like that and yeah so yeah I think I right now I'm kind of like overshooting everything and I think I'm talking a lot so when I go into editing I'm um I'm dial like I'm I'm having to cut out a lot of yeah, dialogue yeah. now. I was just like, well, I need to find a faster process on that. But that's, guess what all of this is about is just kind of like learning as you go. At least exactly. for me, that's my journey. Yeah, no, same, same here. And I think probably the majority of the maker community, um, it wasn't this year's workbench con. I think they still, they had a similar class this year, but I didn't go to it. Last year's workbench con, they had, and I, I'm not even going to attempt. It was, it was two guy makers and I cannot think of who they were, but they taught a class about video, you know, capturing video. Uh, um, I um, think it was William Walker and um, I can't remember the other guy's name, but yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right. But what, but going to that class taught probably the biggest takeaway I got was like, just take enough video to tell the story like take different shots and then like you can actually turn the camera off and just work you know and just make that thing and then come back in when there's something that adds to the story because for for the longest time i seriously i ran a camera the entire process and you're exactly oh, right like yeah. you're like i mean i would change the angles and stuff but that yeah. was like hours of footage to have yeah. to go through to get it down to just a few minutes of time whereas now I'm very much more intentional on setting it up you know like I'm more like I want to get the start of a project the middle of a project and the end of the project and then if there's something cool in between that I need to capture uh, but otherwise I'm not going to take the time because that takes additional time right? Setting up the camera, For setting sure. up the angles, the lighting, the background, figuring all of that out takes a lot more time than actually making the widget that you're trying to make. So <laughs> yeah, I'm probably only going to shoot myself like making two steaks, right? Because they're two different colors, right? But I'm making four. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't need know. to show that, right? You don't need right. all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah. Like, or even if you're making like a table, let's say, mm -hmm. you don't have to shoot yourself cutting all four legs. Like you right. can cut one. Right. Or, or even, something. I mean, listening to like the Modern Maker podcast and they've talked before, like they're not going to show all of the table saw cuts on every video now. Right. No. Like they've shown that enough yeah. that we, they can be like, if you really want to see me like set up a table saw, go check out that video. Like from yeah. two years ago, you know, type thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's a similar mindset to me is like, if I'm using, if I'm sanding, I might show like three seconds worth of sanding. But most of the time, I'm not even showing that. I'm just going to say, I sanded through to 220 grit and expect people to know what I'm talking about, you know? Yeah. Um, because who wants to watch anybody sand for more than a couple seconds at a time? Nobody really. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask though, like as far as in your maker mindset, like 
do you feel like you're the type that you want to like learn a certain skill? I'll just throw it, you know, like dovetails or whatever and like really perfect that. And then like you're doing dovetails on everything or do you feel like you're more of like trying something a couple times and then moving on to like another thing to try a few times? Uh, that's, that's an interesting question. I don't think about that really like obviously I think about joinery or something (laughs) but like um when I approach a project I approach it from a design perspective like I definitely put more thought into design and then the afterthought is how am I going to join those two pieces together Um, so like the last project, I did a lot of steep angles, a lot of 10 degree angles and how am I going to attach these? That's when I learn a new Mm -hmm. thing. thing. So like, let's say I wanted to do that in a dovetail, which, (laughs) no, thank you. (laughs) Um, but like, let's say I did, that's, you know what I mean? Or a mortise and tenon or something like that. Um, that's it's the design that led me to that point, not necessarily the, uh, what did you call it? Like just the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the skill or the, yeah, the, yeah. So I guess, okay. Further down that line, like I have found myself, I would say I'm very similar. I have an idea for a design, right? And then if I have to learn a new skill, I will, but I have found that I will, eventually end up changing my design to come down, I will say come down and match my skill level. Like if, if I'm thinking through, okay, I have a design, now I have to think through how I'm going to make that, right? And there's a million different ways you can make that. Then I find myself a lot of times the end result design and end result product ends up being different than what I had originally pictured because of a lack of skill set in something and perhaps mm. I didn't have the time you know if I'm on a deadline mm-hmm. like it's a for a customer I don't have the time to learn that new skill and incorporate sure. that or it's something that I find intimidating like mm-hmm. you know I might not want to take that risk to learn that new skill because I don't know about you but I tend to try out new skills on almost completely finished product <laughs> And I don't have error room for error to get it wrong, right? It's got to be perfect pretty much that first time. But so have you found yourself doing that at all? Like limiting your designs based on what you currently know? Yeah, so I would say literally all of my projects, the end result is different than the design. So let's say I design something like how I'm going to attach the table base mm-hmm. to the fucking table. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you can cuss. You okay. Can okay. Cuss. <laughs> I didn't mean to, but it came out. <laughs> That's okay. Like, like, let's say that I wanted to do it in a new way, but yeah. if I had a deadline, which has happened to me, I'm going to pick what I already know because mm-hmm. I don't have time. Like, like you said, to learn something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that I limit it in the design stage. I limit it later when I realize like, oh, shoot, I thought I had. And maybe it's not even a time constraint. Maybe it's like I don't have the thing to do the thing. Right. Like you the know? tool and or like, yeah, whatever. The yeah. tool or the the right size dowel you know what I mean like yeah yeah stuff like that and then you start getting a little bit more inventive um because I'm the type of person who I want to use everything in my inventory before I have to go out to the store and buy Mm -hmm. more of something um that said I am feeling like I'm always at the stores getting (laughs) stuff for projects which is like your favorite (laughs) part I'm sure right (laughs) to get today's podcast episode is sponsored by Bad Workwear North America. They are an Australian-based workwear brand that launched in the U.S. and Canada last fall. 
Now, I haven't tried their gear yet myself, but have heard great things about their gear from our friends in the maker community, especially women who are excited to find workwear that looks great and fits right. They carry a woman's line of items, but based on the slim fit of uh, all their clothing, all their line is considered unisex as women have great success just sizing down in the men's items and getting a great fit. If you want to check them out, visit www.badnorthamerica.com and use the code MAKERMOM10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. All right, let's head back into the episode. It's it's nice, but like when you're in the middle of a project and realize you got to go mm -hmm. to like go get more glue or something, that's such mm -hmm. a bummer. I know. <laughs> such a bummer. I know. So going backwards just a just a teeny bit here. Mhm. Mm um growing up with I guess all of that kind of art around you, mm -hmm. you know, consuming and and creating. I mean, is this like are your siblings into artistic careers as well? Um like, do you feel like this is strong? Do you feel like the influence of your parents, I guess, is a strong proponent of, like, why you make now? Yes. Um, more, well, most of my family are musicians. Okay. Um, and all the people who don't, like, play an instrument or sing are still very creative, um and yeah i think our parents really did do a great job of keeping our minds open and i guess um keeping just keeping art around us mm -hmm. and even like when it came to problem solving or something like it was just like, I feel like everyone approaches it in such a creative way uh, mm -hmm. in my family. So, yeah, we, uh, being surrounded by that, it, it influenced, I would say, all of us in mm -hmm. a huge way. And I hope that's something that, you know, we could bring down to the next set of tiny human beings. <laughs> <laughs> and you play instrument instrument or instruments as well right yeah yeah i do yeah guitar bass uh guitar for the most part okay um i can kind of play the bass i can i can kind of play a lot of instruments but mostly guitar okay yeah now when you went to film school Mm -hmm. I know, like, when you started that journey, what was mm -hmm. your dream? Like, what did you go, okay, I'm going to come out of college and I'm going to do this? So, I guess before I went in, like, all I knew is that I wanted to make movies. Like, I, I just wanted to make movies. I didn't really think about what I would do. Like, I, I didn't think of the movie as a set you know, where a bunch of people are doing a bunch of different jobs and then like creating this one thing. I really didn't think about it that way until I went to college. And then I very quickly went down. So we didn't have like majors and minors, but like if we did, I majored in directing and minored in set design. So I, I really quickly knew that I kind of wanted to be at the helm and I wanted like my vision to be a part of this movie that I'm making. So what was the original question? <laughs> my, my original question was like, you know, what was your, I guess, expectation? Like you're, you know, okay, going, yeah, to, yeah. going to film school too, but you can't, I mean, you kind of answered that and you wanted to yeah, yeah, yeah. make movies. Yeah, that's all. That's all I really wanted. I just wanted to make movies. I didn't think about the how, though. Yeah. What was it like when you got through that program and your degree mm -hmm. and got out on the other side? Like, mm -hmm. 
was it a realization that unfortunately <laughs> that line of work, especially when you talked about being a, a director, um, mm. is still pretty male dominated? Um, was that, I mean, was that what you were up against when you were coming out and figuring out how to get into that field? I think at that time, I didn't think about that at all. I didn't think about the obstacles that I would have to face as a woman and a woman of color. Like, I, I, I really didn't. Um, I don't know if that's because I was just, like, in this Cal Southern California bubble, you know, of just being in L.A. I, I, what took me out of wanting to be a part of that industry was just how collaborative it is. Like you have to depend on so many other people. And I, I did not like that at the time. And, you know, I also had dreams of just like being a rock star and being in a band, you know, and being a part of the music world. So I felt a little bit more at home with music than I did with the film industry at that time. But in hindsight, I, that's like crazy that it never even crossed my mind. You know, like I just thought I can do it. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm the one who can do it and I will. But at the end of the day, it ended up being like just not what I wanted. Do you see yourself circling back around to that? Like you said, like now you're getting a chance to kind of like flex those muscles again, right? Of, of filming, of making films. Um, the subject matter of the films might be different than what you originally thought you would be doing, but it's still filmmaking nonetheless. So do you feel like you're circling back around to like that being a dream or being something you would want to do? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm where I'm supposed to be and on the path that I want to be on. Um, like, I'm not making, you know, a whole fictional feature film or short film or anything like that, but it almost feels like I am. Like, I f every time I make a video, it feels like I'm making a short film. And do I want to continue doing that? Absolutely. I think that... I'm kind of just where I need to be. Mm -hmm. If you could make a film about anything, what would you make a film about? That's a pretty deep question, Katie. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so I guess like for me, writing um, is always best when it comes from personal experience. So like, I made like a horror film in college and I don't even like horror films, but my writing teacher at the time kind of encouraged it just because of like the cost of, of what it takes to make a horror film versus anything else, because there are techniques you can use that are, doesn't cost money. So it's, it's, um, it was an interesting exercise, but I don't feel particularly proud of that piece because it wasn't something that I was very familiar with or it wasn't personal to me, I guess. And so if I had to make like a f film of any kind that I ever wanted, it would have to be something extremely personal to me. I don't know what exactly, but, um, I have a lifetime to decide. That is true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I would say, given the way that um, personal generated film or, you know, video is going, like you, it's getting closer and closer to not, to having very few gatekeepers, right? to people actually being able to see your work. 
Like you could make a film about anything, uh, you know, as long as you had the budget and put it out on YouTube and whoever could see it. There's not a gatekeeper of saying yes or no to whether that gets made or doesn't get made. Yeah, the the barrier to entry is a lot lower Mm -hmm. than what it once was. Yeah. I, I agree with that. So I'll go to another route. If you can make anything, <laughs> anything at all, what, what do you have a dream project out there of like, this is what I would love to like make someday. I have a lot of those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I'm always swimming in ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one that's kind of been on the bucket list that I kind of, have gotten some crap about um is i've been wanting to make a guitar for a long time but i haven't felt that i had the right um skill set and i've been kind of working my way up to it also i haven't had like the money i guess to put into it and i really don't want to take apart one of my existing guitars Mm -hmm. like for um you know uh dream mm-hmm. <laughs> project well i mean are you talking electric guitar or acoustic yeah, guitar electric guitar electric guitar oh, for sure you totally have the skill set for that i mean that's, and that's what I, that's what <laughs> like response is like you could do it and it's yeah like, i know but like I, that's one of those things where i'm not talking about the woodworking per yeah. se like it's all the electronic stuff i don't really mess with that i'm sure i could learn i'm sure it's easy but it's just one of those things you know like i would have to put time into it Mm -hmm. and a lot of the time i feel like i don't have time (laughs) (laughs) i understand that feeling Uh, (laughs) well i'll i'll see your guitar and i'll raise you a bus conversion that's like my i yeah that's going to take forever to convince my wife that I can do that. But that's that's one of those things. It's like, I have no idea what I would like. I truthfully do not know how to do probably the majority of what you would have to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can make a, you know, a cabinet or whatever, but like do a full on like basically house. Um, Yeah. It scares me to death, but like, it is definitely something I want to do like super bad. So eventually one day it will happen. (laughs) I feel you on that. I'm also working my way up to like a kitchen remodel. Mm -hmm. And like, that's a lot of stuff I have not done before. Um, Like cabinets and shelves got you. Right. (laughs) But like (laughs) plumbing, tiling. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I've done flooring before, but yeah that's a lot (laughs) I know that's why I've kind of stayed out of the DIY home remodeling space you know um for one it hasn't necessarily always been an interest of like doing that type of thing I am like I'm one of those people I don't make my own shop furniture I would rather just buy that shit I don't have the time to sit there and do that I want to be making other things yeah um and it's so I've always had that same approach like in my home like if we can afford it I would rather just pay somebody else to do it than to take the time to do it um but more and more I guess maybe it comes with uh getting wiser as you get older I don't know but it is definitely like one of those things of like, but I really actually want to make this space like exactly like how I want it. And I don't know if I can do that through somebody else without it costing an arm and leg. So, you know, let's do it ourselves type thing, but it is terrifying. You know, it's like, I've been talking about making a kitchen Island for ever because we need one badly, but it's one of those, it's like every time I start to really think about it and go down the path of like designing it and stuff, there's definitely like a, something in my mind that's like, whoa, wait up, you know, this is <laughs> outside of your typical wheelhouse, what are you doing type of, of fear involved there. So how do you 
not to flip this around yeah, on no, you, but I don't think we've actually talked about it before. How do you approach design? Do you like just draw it on a piece of paper? Do you use SketchUp or Fusion or something? How do you design? Um, so it, it depends. Um, but to be honest, most of the time the design never actually makes it onto any medium outside of my head before yeah. I start doing it. Like it's, yeah. it's in there, you know, and it's like, I know what I'm doing now. If it has to be, that's predominantly for things like carving or resin work, you know, like I have a, and I, a picture in my head and I just work to that. But if it has to be something really super precise, like with the Ottoman that I did, mm -hmm. I did like, I sketched that out several different times on paper, you know, and like laid out dimensions and got an idea. Now, was it professional type sketching? Hell no. Cause I suck at drawing, but <laughs> um, eventually I want to put stuff into fusion 360 um, because eventually when I can afford it or, you know, something like that, go to a more of a, some automated processes, then I'll want to work from like a 3D model type of thing. Um, but yeah, most of the time it's in my head. I'm not organized enough to like take the time to sit down and like sketch it out. I'd rather just <laughs> work to what's in my head. Work, your work is also very organic. Like yeah. your, your carving kind of leads you to what yeah what works I guess because yeah you're working with like with the wood too yeah so, yeah exactly like I you mean, can't necessarily sketch that no I mean it is harder sometimes I will sketch out like sometimes like I have pages of just like lines of like different curves like if I'm trying mm -hmm. to get to a certain curvature mm -hmm. that I see in my mind but I have to lay it out just so I can mm -hmm. have a better idea but to your point, sometimes, you know, I'll have a, an idea and I start to carve something and I find like an area that's totally rotted out or been, you know, e eaten away by something and you have to work with that. Like I can't, at that point in time, I can't ignore it and just make it do what I want it to do. I yeah. have to go with what the wood is already like, um, which I like that, I guess. I like the non like having to stick to a certain plan. Like I'm not plan girl. The only, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever make plans for anything probably um, just because that's not what I do. Like, I just don't like it. I feel too closed in if I have something like totally laid out without some room for like what I feel is creativity. Um, I, I just can't do it. For sure. Yeah. What about you? How do you do your, do you sketch it out or uh, model it out? Yeah. So I, I do a few different things, uh, kind of just depending on the thing. So <laughs> most of the time I don't go into anything with a plan. I have like a basic idea mm -hmm. of what I want it to be, but not like a plan on how to get there. Mm -hmm. um, so I do sketch out a lot, not all the time, but mm -hmm. I try to sketch at least an idea down um, because then I'll quickly forget about it if it's not kind of like actually put down to paper. Yeah. Um, and I'm like that in a lot of aspects of my life. Like when I'm writing a song, I'll like think of something and and then I'm like, oh, that was good and just completely forget. <laughs> yeah. Dang, what was that? <laughs> so I try to like write everything yeah. down or sketch it down for the most part. But if it's like a commission job, um, I 100% 3D model it on SketchUp mm -hmm. um, just because I like to provide options. Um, and or like, let's say I, I'm building something and I'm not exactly sure what I am going to do about joinery. It helps me during the 3D modeling process to think about it a little bit more. Like mm -hmm. what's going to be easiest when I get to this point. Um, but even then, like nothing really sticks to that first iteration. Yeah. Because things change along the way. Mistakes are made. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like, 
a lot of the time I'm just trying to figure out how to fix that. <laughs> yep. No, I, yeah, I hear that. And I would say it's, it's funny you said about the, like, if you don't put it down at all, you forget about it. Yeah. And, and I'm the same way. There's definitely projects I thought of that I'm like, whoa, that'd be totally cool. And then I like, don't do anything with it. And so I would say most of the time, the things that actually get made when it's like fully designed out in my head are things that I've like, I want to say like have obsessed over, like I get an idea, like this is what I want to make. And then I start obsessing over like, how would I put that together? What would be the first step of operation? Like once I get to that obsessive stage, like that thing is going to get built sometime or another, like, cause it has to, like, it's just there. Yeah. Um, I'm like that too. Yeah. It's definitely like I'm suddenly obsessed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I think that's also why I don't sketch it down because I almost have to like start working on it as mm-hmm. soon as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Like because I'm so obsessed with it. It's like I have to start getting it out. Um but I mean, like my bowls and stuff, like I never really I don't think too hard about those designs you know I think a little bit like okay here's the shape of the piece I'm starting with what are some generic things I want to try to do with it but that's always fluid in a moving target you know and half the time like the one I'm working on right now I like got the whole inside hogged out and then I'm like well shit what am I gonna do for the base I don't know yet yeah (laughs) Yeah. and so I'm gonna have I have to pause and like try to think through of what I'm gonna do for the base of it um but yeah I I think my um CNC projects are probably a little bit the most on the fly because it's just for me it's kind of just shapes and font type Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I have this basic idea of what I want and then I just have to um kind of just design it really quickly and and those I actually enjoy doing those um because it's it's like a quick project in between doing like a massive project mm-hmm. and I, I think I need that pacing to like keep me going because I can't do like back-to-back large projects and and it's so nice to kind of break yep. up things a little bit yeah I'm, I'm a I'm a similar way I can't do these like huge projects back to back like um like when I got done with the carved lamp like I did only small things for quite some time because that was just that took a lot of mental and physical energy to work through that piece and it was like I need a break I need a quick win you know yeah and that's kind of when I started to do the 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 bowls and then of course those have taken off so now I've got to do those yeah. forever but <laughs> <laughs> I feel you yeah. yeah also like it's good I guess like Instagram content versus like YouTube because I feel like a whole CNC project like there's not really too much variances you can give on that mm-hmm. and and so like it's it's super easy on Instagram to just kind of be like, I'm making yeah. this thing. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're not following me on Instagram and only YouTube, then you're missing out on a whole bunch of projects. Right. <laughs> not showing those anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or I I'll even have projects that only live in Instagram stories. And so then they disappear oh, yeah, yeah, after 24 I mean. hours. Yeah, exactly. Like you won't, they're not in my highlights, they're not nope. on my feed. It's nope. just an Instagram stories. Yep. Exactly. Well, Mary Lou, we have come to the end of our chat time together. So, awesome. but I'm going to give you a chance to shout out like where people should find you at and follow along with you at. Oh, you can find me at made by underscore Mary Lou on Instagram and then on YouTube. If you just look up made by Mary Lou, Mm -hmm. you'll find her. (laughs) (laughs) No, no websites or Facebook yet. Oh, um, yeah, madebymarylou.com as well. No, I mean, I am on Facebook, but I don't do anything with it. 
Yeah. Not my not my jam really, but uh go ahead and follow me there too <laughs> if you want. <laughs> Please ignore the furry co-host going absolutely crazy in the background. Um all right, so that was Mary Lou made by Mary Lou. Uh, really loved getting to chat with her and ask her more questions about uh, what she makes, why she makes, um, and her whole journey getting into it. And I don't know about you, but I definitely found it super interesting that she went to film school. I know I talked to her a lot about that at WorkbenchCon as well. All right, so if you are loving this new Wonder Women segment, and if you're also loving the overall Maker Mom podcast, there's a few things you can do to help support the podcast. One of those is make sure whatever platform you are either watching or listening to this podcast on that you hit subscribe, so make sure you do that. Um, another way to help is to head over to iTunes and leave a review so other people can find the podcast easier. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, just leave a comment down below about your thoughts on this week's episode. That also helps with that engagement and helps people find it easier. All right, if you want to go a little bit further, if you're bigger, maybe a little bit bigger of a fan and you can do it, you can swing it, uh, head on over to Patreon forward slash Maker Mom podcast and there are now four levels over there. There are tiers one, two, and three uh, with the $1, $3, and $5 uh, levels and then there is a brand new tier level of a $30 a month level and at that level you get to be a pod, uh, sponsor of the podcast every week for that month. If you only do one month or if you do 12 months, you're the sponsor for that podcast and so there's lots of shout outs and extras for that. And then lastly, um, you can, if you want, to just straight up buy some merch, you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash shop, uh, hit apparel, and there is a Maker Mom tee there with the Mom Squad listed on the back of the first 65 episodes, all the moms that were on during that time period. So those are kind of the three ways you can help out with the podcast if you're really enjoying it. All right, so it's Wednesday, and until next week, till another Wonder Woman uh, comes onto the scene, see you later.